0: Let us pray. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12.21 My Father and my God, thank you for your mercies and watching over me throughout the night. I appreciate your loving protection. Please help me to be graceful and forgiving to those who have hurt me. Please help me to move on from the past and start building my future. Remind me that forgiveness provides strength. Let me show others the same kindness that you have so graciously taught me. Please help me to always see past the corruption of others' hearts and search for the underlying goodness that lies within them. Amen. Thank you for joining us in prayer. Now for the Relentless Hope Podcast with Steve Gatina where we bring you true stories and personal testimonies that will help you love your life, lead with purpose, and leave a legacy of helping others. Tragedy often leaves us searching for answers and questioning what could have been done differently to prevent it. While it's natural to seek understanding, God invites us to respond differently. He asks us to place our trust in Him, acknowledging that His ways are beyond comprehension. Instead of striving to understand, we're called to trust in God's reliability, in His strength, in His Word. By placing our trust in Him, we can navigate the difficult seasons of life, knowing that His grace, His eternal glory, and our union with Him through Christ will always hold true. In this episode of Relentless Hope, Dr. Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Church, imparts wisdom on trusting in God, especially during times of tragedy. He shares how his trust and faith were strengthened after the brutal murder of his dad when he was only 20 years old. Dr. Graham teaches us to remain faithful to God's calling and not be embittered by encountering evil. He also provides insight on rebuilding trust with others after it's been broken. Regarding leadership, Dr. Graham emphasizes the importance of trusting in the calling that comes from God and becoming an inspiring influence within our communities. He illustrates that leadership is fundamentally about fostering meaningful relationships, and he encourages everyone to embrace their leadership potential at any level. Dr. Graham shares his perspective on legacy, explaining that he focuses on living it rather than worrying about what it will be. He strives to lead well and finish strong each day, believing that his legacy extends beyond earthly matters. For Dr. Graham, Legacy encompasses how many lives he leads towards heaven, how many people he positively influences, and how he helps others find their way into God's presence. Dr. Graham teaches us to invest in eternity, in heaven, and in the lives of others, leaving the results to God. Ultimately, we cannot fully understand or control the happenings of this world. But that is not our responsibility. We're simply called to trust in God, allowing Him to guide us, to comfort our hearts, and to focus our eyes on what truly matters, our eternal salvation in Jesus, sharing the good news, and participating in God's vision for this world. Jack Graham's Fort Worth community was in a happy day's lifestyle until one day, Jack's dad was attacked in his hardware store.
1: My father, and I love very, very much, had a very close relationship, was brutally murdered in Fort Worth, Texas uh, by a shoplifter, came into his hardware store and uh, my father ended up severely injured, unconscious, and lived for 10 days and died. And that was the first tragedy our family had ever known. I told you that we were in a happy days, uh, kind of small town atmosphere. And those days in Fort Worth later, all good. My father was uh, not only a great dad, but a dear friend. Uh, he was my biggest supporter, he played catch. Every time I asked him to play ball, uh, supported me all the games. So. As a young preacher, my father and my mother were very proud of me, prayed for me, Um, but now my dad is gone.
0: On part one of this three-part series, Jack Graham, pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, tells us of his life as a servant of Christ. When it comes to building up a church, It starts with establishing trust. By experiencing tragedy, faith can grow when you trust in God.
1: My name is Jack Graham. I'm pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Texas and speaker, uh, PowerPoint Ministries, radio and television. Uh, I was born in a small town in Arkansas, actually, 30 miles north of Little Rock, Arkansas, and a wonderful family, Christian heritage, uh, a grandfather who was a dynamic believer and follower of Christ who had a huge influence on my life and the birth of my faith, really. My earliest recollections are spending time in his lap, reading stories of the Bible, and uh, hearing uh, how my faith can change my life, how you know, Christ could change my life. And wonderful parents and older brothers. So the little town that we lived in was, uh, again, small town, Arkansas, maybe 10,000 people. And my, my dad actually owned a, a drive-in restaurant that featured corny dogs, uh, dipped corn dogs. And so it was fun. And uh, truly, it was like happy days in our little town, if you've, if you've seen the television program. Uh, happy days. It was like that. We had a wonderful uh, small town atmosphere. Uh, Ultimately, we ended up selling that business, my dad, and we moved to Fort Worth, Texas uh, when I was age 10. And uh, so I did the rest of my growing up years uh, in Fort Worth, Texas and became a Texan. And uh, great experience there. And, uh, you know, my my mother, my father were uh, very common people, very ordinary people. But we had a very loving home and a stable home. Uh, my older brother is actually a minister uh, and I've served uh, a local church as a pastor for many years. So the two of us, uh, they're just two of us in our family, both became uh, preachers and pastors. Really, I can't think of a time when I, I did not think at some level that I was going to be a pastor that could have been because of my older brother, 13 years my senior, that was his calling and path. Uh, But even as a small boy, I just sensed that I was destined, if you will, uh, to preach the gospel and to be a pastor of a local church. That's always been my ambition uh, as far as the ministry is a local congregation, to be the shepherd of, of a local congregation, that flock. So as a small boy, I sensed that and confirmed that as a teenager. Uh, so actually, um, in those days, we would we would call it surrendering to the ministry. In other words, I, I just came to a point in my life where I committed to being a minister. That was actually at about age 15 and preached my first sermon when I was 16. I was also a high school and college athlete, so I had a platform, if you will, with uh, athletics uh, to share my faith with others and ultimately began preaching. And, uh, even during the college years had a small church that I pastored on the weekends, preached a lot of crusades, revival type things all over Texas in those days. Uh, so then on to seminary, uh, back to Fort Worth, Texas, where, uh, we did our master's degree and ultimately a doctor's degree in seminary. And, uh, after, uh, a stint in my home church in Fort Worth as an associate pastor. I became a pastor in Oklahoma uh, for the next seven years, two different churches. And ultimately, uh, at age 31, I went to West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, the First Baptist Church, a significant strategic church in South Florida. Uh, The church was actually in some decline uh, in 1981 when I became the pastor. but. Uh, God began to move in an incredible way and uh, just began preaching and we began reaching people in uh, the community. Palm Beach County uh, at that time probably had, uh, I don't know, a million people. Most never went to church and so it was a huge opportunity as I saw it to evangelize, to reach people with the message and our church became very aggressive in its outreach. And the church grew and grew and grew and grew. And, and really those years from 1981 to 1989 became just the formative years of, of my ministry and the style uh, that, uh, that ultimately has served me well these last 30 plus years now at the Prestonwood Baptist Church in uh, Texas, Dallas, Texas area. And so in 1989, I uh, came back to Texas. Uh, to uh, be the pastor of Prestonwood Church. And uh, the church was actually uh, struggling in that uh, the founding pastor had been removed. In this instance, it was a uh, moral failure of the pastor who disqualified himself from being the pastor due to his behavior. So you have a lot of people who are discouraged and defeated by that, especially young Christians. So rebuilding confidence, among young believers in particular and and that began for me as an act of integrity and uh, what I simply did was to do what I did in West Palm Beach really and that is to come into the new congregation and preach the Bible, love people and rebuild integrity. So I'd never been in a position quite like that before uh, in that you know, I there was a, there was a sense of I have to prove myself that I'm not what the other guy may have become, and that you know that I could be trusted with with this church and and lead it forward. And uh, by God's grace, we've been able to do that. But it was it was difficult. I would say re- rebuilding when when something is broken like that, it takes a while. Especially a, the relationships of a church, it takes takes a while, and it was complicated by the fact that the uh, the minister, my predecessor, who was a friend, by the way, uh, decided to start a church down the street, and so there was, uh, you know, there was that tension uh, from with members of the Prestonwood, our church. Do we go with our old pastor, or do we stay with this new guy? So there was all of that, but. All in all, though I look back on it, I see the tensions that were present, the toughness of the situation. Uh, Truly, God restored the church. Uh, He gave me the leadership of the congregation, the trust of the congregation, and uh, we were actually able to move from the location where Prestonwood actually uh, lived at that time, existed, and to a brand new location, expanded location, uh, it was a massive relocation of the congregation uh, to from Dallas to Plano, Texas, where, where we are now. And so it was risky, it was a faith move, and yet I sensed, as I've always sensed, just an inner voice uh, confirmed by scripture and, and, and got wise counsel that God was calling me to leave a very fast-growing and dynamic ministry in South Florida, there in West Palm Beach, and come back home to the Dallas-Fort Worth area and take this church which was struggling. We didn't know if it would make it or not. It was a large church that had gone from zero to 8,000 members in a short time but now is in this, uh, this struggle for its very life and who knew what would happen. But God had his hand on the church and on our move and uh, we began to grow again and reach people and uh, we've grown now over the last 30 years from seven or eight thousand members to nearly 50,000 members and It's been a remarkable um, testimony to the power of God, uh, the work of Christ in our midst, using a pastor and a people who are committed to fulfilling the Great Commission. We are a uh, Bible-teaching, community-reaching kind of uh, congregation, very committed uh, to sharing the gospel, inviting people to know Christ, to openly confess Him and follow Him, and then grow in their discipleship and development as believers. In terms of of ministry calling, as a pastor, that that certainly was the most challenging thing I have faced. Uh, On a personal level, um, in 1970, when I was a college student um, and already preaching and was a young preacher and again playing college athletics, baseball, and um, my father, who I love very, very much, we had a very close relationship, was brutally murdered in Fort Worth, Texas uh, by a shoplifter, came into his hardware store, and uh, my father ended up severely injured, unconscious, and lived for 10 days and died. And that was the first tragedy our family had ever known. I told you that we were in a happy days, uh, kind of small town atmosphere, and those days in Fort Worth later, all good. My father was uh, not only a great dad, but a dear friend. Uh, he was my biggest supporter, played catch. Every time I asked him to play ball, uh, supported me all the games. So as a young preacher, my father my, and my mother were very proud of me, prayed for me. Um, but now my dad is gone. And so that was a huge uh, crisis of, of life, uh, altering, life altering, obviously for my mother. My father was just 56 Uh, when he went to heaven um, and was taken so early and so tragically and died so brutally. You see this happening on the news and to someone else, uh, uh, but now we're a victim of violent crime and uh, surviving and overcoming that. Um, So for me, I was newly married by the way. Deb, my wife and I got married while we were in college and, and so we were just married actually. And this happens so I had to dig deep I mean I had had a life to live I had a young wife I had a college uh, career going uh, education plus playing ball plus preaching and now a a, a tragic death in our family so I determined not to be bitter uh, at the outset and there was certainly anger at what happened but I determined at the outset that I would not be embittered by this, that uh, our contact, if you will, uh, our collision with evil and death in our family, in such a way would not undermine my faith or what God had called me to do. In fact, if anything, it, in time, it strengthened my faith. And I'm certain that though I was just 20 years of age at the time, it helped me to grow and mature as a man and as a minister. Uh, the scripture says, uh, God is the God of all comfort and with the comfort that he comforts us, we comfort others. So, uh, the comfort and the strength that I received from God at that time in the death of my father, then, then there's the dealing of with my mother who's devastated. It, it was a real growing up time and it was a God time in that, uh, I turned to him, trusted in him, worked through the anger, uh sought to find uh, balance again. And that's what happened. And so I'm certain that I'm a better man, a better minister, a better shepherd, a better pastor, a better comforter, uh, in that early on I dealt with uh, deep suffering and deep sorrow in our family. All in all, um, now I'm 69 years of age, and I look back on those uh, events in our lives, the growing up years, Uh, the faithful family that God provided for me, um, the wonderful church family that we enjoyed, just the biblical foundations in my life uh, enabled me uh, to move forward after great tragedy and on into our lives as a couple, as a ministry. Actually, we were due some tragedy again. My wife's father uh, died of cancer Uh, about a year and a half after my father. My mother passed away a short time later. We lost uh, three of our parents uh, in the first five years of our marriage. And yet, all in all, it was the faith of my fathers, if you will, to coin an old phrase from an old hymn. It was uh, the faith of our family that was genuine, real, life-changing, that enabled my uh, life and ministry to go forward, and you you would never want to experience anything like that in your life, of course. But when you know God, He's working all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. God had given me a purpose for my life, I called a call to ministry, and I was determined by His grace and by His Spirit never to be derailed from that. As a pastor. Um, I wanted to make sure that we were doing uh, our work and our ministry in, in a way that pleased God, but also according to the pattern of the New Testament. Uh, the directions, the strategies are given to us, uh, specifically in the New Testament regarding the church as to who we are, what we're about, what we're to be doing. And so I wanted to be a New Testament church. Speaking of Billy Graham, uh, he, was, uh, he was being scolded uh, uh, by someone Uh, early on in his ministry. uh, They said, uh, if if you come to our city with one of your crusades or the message you're bringing, you'll set Christianity back a hundred years. Billy smiled and said, well, I don't wanna do that. I wanna set it back 2000 years.
0: On part two of this three-part series, Jack explains that leadership is all about loving each other. By following God's calling for our lives, We show love to others and spread the gospel to everyone around us. Through boldness and passion in our faith, we establish a New Testament church.
1: When I think about leadership, uh, to me, it is always about influence. And to add another word, it would be inspiring influence because influence can be either good or bad, but influence that is inspiring is life-changing. And ultimately, all leadership is relationships. Uh, Certainly in the work, the ministry that I do, uh, is building your life around loving people. You cannot lead people in the work that I do, for sure, without loving people. And that's my biblical perspective, it's my life perspective, because, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then your neighbor as yourself. So that sums up all the commandments. It sums up what it means to love God and love people. And uh, as, as a pastor, as a, a Christian leader, it became my holy ambition, if you will, to do that as passionately as possible. Um, leaders uh, that are effective are typically extremely passionate. Uh, regarding their, their whether it's a business, whether it's your home or your family, uh, whatever your calling is in life. Um, I believe very strongly that we are called to do what we do by God, that there is an inner compelling, there is a spiritual component to what we end up doing with our lives. We're not just doing something that we like, that there is a calling that comes from God. and I have always sensed that and felt that, which gives me then a a boldness to do what I'm I'm doing. And you know, some people may think, well, a calling is good for a pastor, uh, a minister, someone who's in a religious vocation of some kind. But actually, uh, there's a calling for everyone in life. If if a person. is born, then they are born with a destiny and, and ultimately an opportunity to do something significant with their lives to love God and love people. And uh, in following Christ, there is this sense of um, commitment to do what uh, He's called every Christian to do, which is uh, to advance the gospel, to grow the kingdom of God. And you can do that through a church, you can do that through a business, you can do that uh, certainly through a family, which is the foundation of it all. But the point is that every person who is a follower of Jesus Christ can discover their own spiritual gifts and what God has designed them to do, equipped them to do, develop those, and then deploy them in uh, the work of Christ. Again, the work of Christ Uh, can be a quote secular calling it doesn't have to be a church calling mine is a calling to serve christ through the church and uh, that is a unique calling is something very special but uh, everyone can sense god's direction in their lives do god's will in their lives and 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 be a leader at some level that's what leadership is it is is influencing your sphere of, of associations of community a church, a business, is taking your life, uh, loving God, loving others, and making a difference uh, for all eternity. As a small boy, uh, hearing the stories of the Bible on my grandfather's knee, uh, I became just fascinated by the people of faith we do meet in the Bible. And those, those personalities became very real to me. You know, one reason the Bible is written with so many biographies in it, stories of people's lives, real people, real stories, uh, and these include the positives and the negatives in many of the Bible heroes and heroines' lives. But when you read uh, the stories of these men and women of faith in the Bible, uh, the great stories that inspire us, whether it is David killing the giant or whether it is Peter walking on water, or whether it is Abraham uh, leading his family into the future, not knowing where he was going except to trust and follow God. Those great stories inspired me as a boy. And it's very important in my view uh, that we teach our children well, and certainly the heroes of the Bible, the heroines of scripture, uh, were extremely inspiring to me and still are to this very day. Um, And then, Beyond the Bible, um, my own family, my brother, ultimately my pastor, who I loved and appreciated very much, who preached the Word of God to me, inspired me in terms of his leadership style and focus and commitment to missions, evangelism, reaching the community. And as a young Christian, as a, as a boy preacher in the, in the 60s, I was a teenager in the 1960s, uh, Billy Graham had burst on the scene in the 50s and was at the height uh, in many ways of his uh, mission as an evangelist, evangelist uh, in the 1960s. He had a radio program and I listened to it intently and I became just uh, highly appreciative, love Billy Graham and his, his commitment to share the gospel and to preach. And so, from a great distance, I later had the opportunity to get to know Dr. Graham, Billy Graham. Uh, considered him a friend. We have the same name. We're not related, but uh, he certainly inspired me at a, at, a, at a great level. And I would say that, uh, you know, from a human level, uh, that was one of the greatest influences of my life. It's amazing that through technology, uh, then a radio program, and Billy would appear on television from time to time, but he could influence so many people, not only to come to Christ for the first time, but many young people like me uh, to become witnesses of Christ ourselves. Um, also, the 60s, when I was a teenager, a high school student, that's when the Jesus movement swept from uh, across the nation. It was the last and maybe the greatest revival uh, the American, America has ever known the Jesus movement it swept all across the country from the west coast to the east coast we were in Texas and I would say just the impact that uh, of that revival among me my friends was significant in those days and um, and, and so some of the uh, some of the leaders of the Jesus movement the preachers and the evangelists uh, certainly influenced me a great deal. But I, I'm, I'm so grateful for the positive influences in my life and uh, even pastoral mentors that taught me how to preach. Uh, and I really learned how to preach, not so much from a classroom, but by listening to other great preachers that I admire, men like Adrian Rogers, a well-known Southern Baptist pastor in Memphis, Tennessee, now in heaven. Uh, he was one, I mentioned Billy Graham. But just, I just crave preaching and hearing men communicate the word of God effectively. Uh, it's, it inspired me a great deal. Faith is, is the most powerful force on earth, uh, apart from love. Uh, love is the greatest. But what inspires me about any leader is the boldness, the convictions, whether it be convictions regarding the Bible, convictions regarding uh, Ministry and service, but conviction without compromise. We live in a world in which there is so much uh, iffiness, compromise in what people say or don't say they believe. And uh, what I learned when I read my Bible uh, from the great people that made such a huge difference uh, in in the biblical days was faith. In fact, there's an entire chapter uh, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. It's known as a faith chapter, and each uh, each sentence really is about an individual both men and women who exercised faith and believed in God and God did such great things and the bottom line is without faith it's impossible to please God without faith it is impossible to please God and so the faith uh, of these men to whether it is in great stories of conquering lands and territories armies moving or leading nations or a small band of believers like Jesus and the disciples. Uh, it's always re- been remarkable to me that uh, in, in so- 2,000 years ago after after the death and then the resurrection of Christ that this small band of believers now energized empowered by the Holy Spirit are able to turn their world upside down and and launch uh, the mission of Christ around the world. That's more than a human effort of course that's, that's the work of God is the power of God's spirit and so that truly inspired me as a pastor um, I wanted to make sure that we were doing uh, our work in our ministry in, in a way that pleased God but also according to the pattern of the New Testament uh, the directions the strategies are given to us uh, specifically in the New Testament regarding the church as to who we are what we're about what we're to be doing and so I wanted to be a New Testament church speaking of Billy Graham uh, he, was, uh, he was being scolded uh, uh, by someone uh, early on in his ministry. Uh, they said, uh, if, if you come to our city with one of your crusades, with the message you're bringing, you'll set Christianity back 100 years. And Billy smiled and said, well, I don't want to do that. I want to set it back 2,000 years. So to, in other words, to take the message, uh, it's not a new message. It's the same message. And it's the message of the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, the power of Christ to transform lives, to forgive sin, uh, to change people from the inside out, and to give them the hope and the promise of heaven. And so that's what the church is to be doing. Uh, We're to be doing good works as a platform to enable us to share the gospel, but ultimately it's all about the gospel. It's all about the message of jesus christ and the church churches get all bogged down in stuff rather than staying with the message and the mission of christ so in that sense um the the inspiring testimonies of people of faith in the bible but then uh, the people that i have admired the most who are leaders whether these are pastoral leaders or even political leaders business leaders are people who have passion, people who believe so deeply uh, in business. If it's a product, if it's, if, if it's, if it's a mission in terms of, of delivering uh, a service to people, whatever they're doing, it's, it, people that are successful have incredible amounts of passion and energy. Uh, they live, breathe, and drink it. And um, as far as what I do as a pastor, uh, as a minister, as a preacher of the gospel, uh, the, the the people who have inspired me the most are people who have sacrificed, who have given, who have served, who have made a difference in the world. Uh, I've been a, a reader my entire life. Uh, my grandfather used to tell me readers are leaders, and I do believe that. So I'm always reading something, and I'm inspired by the biographies of great people, uh, whether it is a Churchill Uh, or even a sports figure who's done well in in, uh, their their career, a sports career. And certainly I've read the stories of of great men of God and and, uh, women of God in the past uh, and present. So what inspires me the most, and I believe what is the most inspiring influence of leadership is this highly convictional commitment to fulfilling uh, God's purpose for your life. Jesus Christ, by His Spirit, lives in us. So we die to self and we live for Christ. That's every day for the Christian. And if we do that and do that well, and and there are ups and downs, of course. I don't always do that well, but that's my goal. What God can do in me if, if I yield my life to Him. And I can make the greatest impact on others around me. If, if I will live like that. Instead of thinking about me and what's my future and what's my legacy and what am I gonna leave behind, uh, when I read the Bible, again, I hear again and again, invest in eternity, invest in heaven, invest in people's lives who are going to live forever and, and, and then leave the
0: results uh, to God. On part three of this three-part series, Jack elaborates on the mission of Christ being the legacy we need to pursue every day. Don't worry about your legacy. Worry about being the best for God every day. The biggest difference in our legacy is not that people remember us, but that God knows our name. When I think about
1: legacy, um, I really don't consider how to leave a legacy as much as I think about how to live the legacy I will leave. Uh, if I'm always thinking about, you know, what am I doing and how will it appear to others when, when I'm gone, that's the, that's the wrong motive. That's the wrong motivation really for, for what you actually want to do with your life. Um, what you want to do with your life is, is however many years God may give you, is to live it to the fullest and fulfill your calling. And in my case, the mission of Christ and the ministry of the church and the message of the Gospel. And to do that every day, to get up every day with that purpose in mind and to live every day fulfilling um, that calling in, in life. And not think a whole lot about how that's going to impact the future but how it's going to impact today and um, so if you if you start stacking up the future in front of you it can be a daunting task but if you live every day with a sense of divine direction in your life then whether it's starting with your family and for me i want to influence uh and lead my family as well as possible uh, now we have uh Eight grandchildren, and and my influence with my grandchildren is important. Uh, but what I'm doing is simply doing what I've done all my life, and that is by God's, with God's help, to uh, to complete the ministry. The apostle Paul talked about this. In fact, in in the book of Acts twenty twenty four, when he said that I would finish my course with joy, and uh, the ministry that I have received from the Lord that I would do it well and then finish it uh, to finish well. And so my focus is on leading well every day and finishing well at the end and realizing that that the greatest influence I can have is upon my own family and our own church, our own congregation, and then leave the results uh, with the Lord. Um, there's part of me that thinks you know, you want to, you, your time on the stage, if you want to, this is, to me, this is not acting, of course, but let's let's just use the metaphor. So my time on the platform, on the stage, you want to give yourself unconditionally and you want to do what uh, you're there to do all your life, as long as you live, and then exit the stage and in one sense, be forgotten. Uh, it, it's, to me, it's important that that we as leaders not sit around thinking about what's my legacy, what's my legacy, what's my legacy. Uh, the, the question is what's my life? And how will I live my life? And once uh, you live your life, then you leave your legacy to others to decide. So I don't think about legacy, I think about today and being at my very best for God every day. And then when my time comes to go to heaven, uh, then what's left behind to our family, in particular our children and grandchildren, and to our church, will be then invested in others. Uh, wh- because when you think about it, um, most people cannot name, let's just go back a few years, you could not name the first and last name or names of your great-grandparents. I, I'm pretty sure, unless you really study such things, that you you could not name the first and last names of your great great grandparents. Uh, so what's the point? The point is, people are going to forget our names, even our own family. I mean, it's it's a, it's a little bit sobering, isn't it, to think that a hundred years from now, uh, your own family will not know your name. They might know something about you, but they basically our lives are forgotten even by our own families. That's not, that doesn't bother me because actually we're not living for here and now for a human legacy. Jesus said, lay your treasures up in heaven uh, and, and focus on living for eternity. And so what I'm doing is I'm focusing on the future in terms of heaven and the hope that is in Christ and taking as many people with me there as possible. So the legacy is not what I leave on earth. In effect, the legacy is how many people we take to heaven, how many people we influence and in some way, large or small, help people to find their way into the presence of God. It's not only living for the now, but it is living beyond this world. It's it's living for a future with God. It's, It's living for eternity. The scripture says, Uh, in the book of Colossians chapter 3, set your affections not on things below earth and earthly things, but on things above. And therefore, we live every day with the passion and compassion of what it means to be a Christian to make a difference. And you'll make the biggest difference if you do that in airtight compartments every day. And then uh, when your time comes to go to heaven, It doesn't matter if someone doesn't write your biography or or remember your name. Uh, What matters is that God knows your name. And what matters ultimately to my uh, ancestors, if you will, that come behind me uh, is that they know the name of Christ. I'm not trying to be hyper uh, humble. I'm not trying to be pious here. I'm just saying for the Christian, life is so much more than the short time we have on earth. I mean, I'm, I'm encouraged by the biographies of people now dead who lived a long time ago, but that's a rare breed. That's a rare few number of people. Uh, So you just don't make that your ambition. I doubt very few people who made the biggest impact for Christ and the gospel and the church and the world were sitting around you know, strategizing, thinking about what legacy they were going to leave or what story they were gonna tell. Just focus on today and the scripture says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So there's enough joy in every day. There's joy in the calling. There's joy in the commitment. There's joy uh, in Christ. And in fact, one of the things that Jesus said, speaking of, you know, forgetting about me, he said, if you're going to follow me, deny yourself and pick up your cross daily and follow after me. Uh, The cross is an instrument of death and execution. The Apostle Paul said, uh, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He also said, "Uh, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I but Christ lives in me. This is what it means to be a Christian, that Jesus Christ by His Spirit lives in us. So we die to self and we live for Christ. That's every day for the Christian. And if we do that and do that well, and, and there are ups and downs of course, I don't always do that well, but that's my goal. What God can do in me if, if I yield my life to Him. And I can make the greatest impact on others around me if, if I will live like that. Instead of thinking about me and what's my future and what's my legacy and what am I going to leave behind. Uh, when I read the Bible, again, I hear again and again, invest in eternity, invest in heaven, invest in people's lives who are going to live forever and, and, and then leave the results uh, to God. Uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, I believe is the one who said, we ought to live for two days. This day, this is the day the Lord has made. So God has given us this day, live it all the way. And then that day, There's a verse in scripture that says, uh, I know whom I believe and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed unto him against that day. So what's that day? The day we stand before God. The day Christ comes for us. The day Christ returns, that day. So it's this day and it's that day. And everything in between, we leave the results to God. I have always felt, uh, being a college athlete, baseball player, You know, when you play a game, uh, whatever sport, but you prepare, uh, you get yourself ready physically, mentally, and then the, then the game comes and you, you play to the best of your ability. You, there are times in baseball, you got to get four hits or you may strike out four times, but what you do is, uh, When you play the game is you play it as hard as you can. You give your best. And then when it's over, win or or lose, uh, you shake hands with your opponent, you walk off, but you always want to feel that you left it all. I always wanted to feel I left it all on the field, that I didn't hold anything back. When it comes to life, when it comes to serving Christ, which is what I do as a pastor and as a preacher, uh, I want to do this and walk away and feel like, I didn't leave anything on the field. Uh, God knows that I gave my best. One of the greatest things that a person can do, and I certainly have been the benefit of this, is when you give your life to Christ, there's also a commitment to the church. There's no separation in the Bible between Christ and the church. In fact, Jesus calls his church uh, the bride of Christ and the church is important. I'm not talking about the institutional church as much as the body of believers, people of faith, the family of God, the church, but it is organized. There is an organized body of believers just as the body itself has a skeletal system, an organ system that's organized. You know there is, there's nothing wrong with organization, there's nothing wrong with institutions properly done. So the church while it is not an institution per se, in, in effect it is An organization that is is given to fulfill a task and a mission and that's the church and as a pastor of the church we have always wanted to make sure that our church is not just taking up space and and um, building big buildings we've built a lot of buildings and our campus is on 150 acres and a 7,000 seat worship center and all the rest we have so I'm not opposed to that Uh, But the buildings only house what the church does and who the church is and what the church is doing. So over the years, we've made sure that the church, our church, uh, is not inwardly focused, but outwardly focused. Making a difference in people's lives and not there there just to take up space, but to make a difference. And so all the ministries of the church uh, focus on the role of uh, the responsibility of evangelism, fulfilling the Great Commission and serving and helping people in the community. So we've done that in a lot of ways. We have ministries that impact uh, underprivileged areas in our community uh, and around the world. Uh, we have a pregnancy center that we started uh, nearly 30 years ago. Actually, we started one in West Palm Beach way back then. and But at Prestonwood, uh, this is a crisis pregnancy center. We're on the street every day. We actually have a mobile unit, two locations. Uh, We are dealing with the issue of the sanctity of life every day, uh, helping women and their families make the right choice for their child, for their baby. So we're saving babies literally every single day. Uh, And uh, actually, I saw the numbers recently in the 27 or 28 years of the Prestonwood uh, Pregnancy Center. um, There have been 73,000 clients that have chosen life for their baby. Um, 73,000, that's a stadium full of babies born. Not everyone who walked in was abortion-minded at the time, but many of them were. And through our, our sharing God's Word, God's love, uh, the sanctity of life and all of that, and the love of Christ, 73,000 babies recorded births through the ministry of, of Prestonwood, our church. That's, if, you, if you want to talk about a legacy, uh, that's a living legacy. That's, that's something that laughs in the lives of children and their children's children. And uh, so that uh, we also at Prestonwood wanted to make sure that we could get the message, the mission of Christ fulfilled as soon as possible. So we have the resources and the generosity of our people to do radio and television. Now, of course, online and things like we're doing right now, the podcast to use technology uh, to advance the gospel. And so it's it's an on the ground mission, isn't it? It's like your your ground forces at work, uh, and then you have this air mission with uh, through the airways uh, to take the message of Christ to the world. We have a Christian school. Um, our our school was established uh, twenty plus years ago to train young people in all the important things of academics, but also uh, to enable them in a faith environment. Uh, to integrate their faith and life uh, into learning. And so the Prestonwood Christian Academy uh, has nearly 2,000 students, and um, and we're graduating people, of course, and again, what, to what end, to what purpose? To fulfill the mission of Christ and the church, to send them out uh, into the world. Uh, and we have a Prestonwood Cares Ministry, and I could go on and on about what we're doing, but all of these things, the, the, the motivation is to please God and to help people to know the love of Christ and hope that is in Him. And to me, uh, it's why I've given my life to the church and churches where I've served as pastor. There are many wonderful organizations that are quote parachurch; they come alongside of the church to assist churches in doing this mission. But the greatest vehicle, the greatest voice on earth, the only thing that Jesus actually started is the church and so church and churches have a huge opportunity in our generation uh, to be on the ground in communities making a difference in people's lives every day.
0: God works in mysterious ways even in the midst of tragedies. It can be challenging to trust that there is a purpose behind difficult seasons in our lives. However, God invites us to place our trust in Him, releasing our fears, worries, and need for control. Trusting in God means knowing deep in our hearts that He has us, ensuring our safety and eternal well-being. Trusting God is a personal decision that we must make for ourselves. He never forces us, but rather encourages us to have confidence in Him. In this episode of Relentless Hope, Dr. Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Church, shared his journey of learning to trust God. Despite the brutal murder of his father, Dr. Graham chose not to let bitterness consume him, but instead, placed his trust in God. Through God's grace and love, he worked through his anger, his grief, and he found restoration in his life. As a leader, Dr. Graham emphasizes the importance of building relationships based on love. He believes that leading people requires first loving them, as it aligns with the greatest commandment of loving God and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Dr. Graham also teaches us to live out our legacies in the present moment without worrying about the outcomes, trusting the calling of God and what God has placed in our lives, helping us strive to do our best each day, leaving the results to God. Trusting God involves surrendering our need for control and understanding. We may never have all the answers or comprehend all the reasons why, but that's okay god has given us clear instructions on how to live our lives without having all the answers we follow jesus who sacrificed himself for our redemption teaching us how to live right how to love others how to forgive and how to trust god unconditionally i believe god is managing our affairs and that he doesn't need any advice from us with God in charge I believe everything will work out for the best in the end so really what is there to worry about my name is Steve Gatina and I'm the host of Pray.com's Relentless Hope Podcast and if you've enjoyed today's podcast I want you to share it with someone you love You never know how one inspiring podcast can change someone's life. So until next week, I want you to remember to give hope a voice.